You are listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White and today's episode is called Transitioning from Job to Business. Hi there. I want to talk to you today about changing career and not just changing career. I want to talk to you about leaving your job and transitioning into a business. It's a huge shift and I want to talk about four things that you have to do to create an easier, smoother transition. And when you're going from job to business, think about this. A job feels safe and secure. All you need to do is show up and go to work. Somebody else is doing all the hard stuff behind the scenes. They're making all of the plans. They're doing all of the marketing for you. They're doing all of the nitty-gritty admin stuff that needs to be done in the business. They organise your workplace, your pay, everything else that happens in your job. All you have to do is show up. So when you go to your own business, it's a totally different ballgame. It's like you're becoming your own employer. You've got to get used to the idea that you're no longer just doing work for somebody else. You're also going to be the one to generate the work and all of the systems to deliver it. I want to give you an insight into my own journey into setting up my own solo business so that you understand what the process could look like with a real example. Before running my own business, I was employed in a, as a scientist in various jobs. I worked for a university for a long time. I worked for the government in various roles. And I was invited to join a startup environmental consulting business when I was working out of the university. Um, and it was me and another guy, we co-founded that business and we eventually grew it to 40 staff. We were providing employment for 40 people, which I was really excited about. But let me tell you, by the end of that role, I wasn't doing much science and I was doing all business management. Coming from all of those different jobs that I'd done gave me a lot of variety and I thought I understood how a business worked. I thought I understood the systems, but it did in no way prepare me to run a business from the ground up. We did jobs in that business that used our respective skills. And in the beginning, as a partnership, we looked at what we were both good at. My business partner was really great at talking to people um, and generating work. He could immediately see what their problem was and talk about how we could fill that problem and close that sale, which was great. I was really good at organising and systems, handling the people side of things inside the business. So I was setting up all of the systems, doing logistics, quoting, and some of that financial stuff that would ensure we had a profitable business. That worked really well for a while and then we started hiring people, which was really interesting because it meant he had to start bringing in more work to keep everybody going, to keep everybody paid, and I had to build more sophisticated systems including accounting and financial systems, computing, legal and HR. And I had to make sure that everybody in the team got on with each other and could connect and do the work. <laughs> so we quickly learned how to recruit and how to hire and how to interview people as well. It was a hard slog, but I learned a lot and it was great having somebody to share the load with. Fast forward 15 years from then and I was moving into state and starting again in my own business, but by myself this time. 
I was used to having an admin team and an office manager and an HR team and an IT support contractor and all of those people doing all of those things. So suddenly it was a rude shock to go from hero to zero where I had to do all of those things myself. But I learned a lot of lessons. And additionally, because I had succession planned myself out of my old business, I had a lot of skills to help me transition back into a business, into my new role. And that transition process gave me a lot of thinking time. I had a financial buffer and I had security of income so that I could take my time to figure out how I wanted to work and who I wanted to work with and how I was going to set my business up. And that's what I want to share with you today, really. I mean, I see now a lot of people who are just sick of their jobs and their careers and they want to do something more meaningful, but they don't realise what it takes to move out of that done-for-you environment in a way and into running a business. And they might lack confidence or courage or skill or all three of these things. So that's why I wanted to create this episode because it gives you a chance to see exactly what's involved in transitioning from a job to a business and to give you an example of how I did it so that you can make it easier for yourself. I want to walk through four steps with you. And the first step is creating a financial buffer. And this was the first thing that I did. I wanted to have at least a year's worth of income up my sleeve so I could take my time to understand a new market that I was moving to and get my business set up with any sort of pressure. My husband and I were earning big salaries in our respective businesses in Perth. And you know what happens, right? When you're earning a lot of money, you tend to spend a lot of money. Your spending expands to, to fill up the space of what you're earning. So what we realised was it doesn't actually cost a lot to live. We decided we were going to be really frugal. We knew that when we moved here to the other side of Australia where we knew nobody and we didn't have jobs, that we would need to be frugal. Plus, we were moving from the city to a country town, so we knew we would be spending less anyway. So what we did is we started spending less. I mean, there are things, I didn't do these things, but you might be going out for dinner a lot or having manicures or those sorts of things that you don't actually need. And I know in my industry, although I didn't do it, a lot of people who are earning big money would go out and spend maybe $1,000 on drinking and eating over the weekend. That was normal for people in my industry. So I can understand how you might not be saving money if you're in that sort of a sort of a job. Uh, my husband and I had bought an investment property, so we had a couple of mortgages to pay off and we were trying to put as much money as we could into those in the last couple of years. So the way we did it was we created an Excel spreadsheet for budgeting and we started to keep every single receipt. And I even have a couple on my desk here from what I spent on the weekend. Um, we still use it. All these years later, 14, 15 years later, we're still using that sheet. We have line items for food shopping and car expenses and insurance and utilities and all of those things are listed, plus pocket money. So we each have some money that we can spend on whatever, whatever we like, home improvements. All of that stuff is listed as a line item in that spreadsheet. And every week we save those receipts and we enter them in. What that does is it tells you how much you're spending and it helps you to see where you can save money and where you're spending unnecessarily perhaps. 
you also have your top line for income. And so you put that in what you're earning each month or taking home, and then you can compare with what you spend. And after a couple of months of doing this, you can pretty clearly see how much you're earning, how much you're spending, how much you need each month to survive on average, where you can save money. And we, what we decided in our last two years of those well-paid jobs is that we would save as much as possible. So we put a lot of money on our mortgages because that's the debt and you want to lower your debt. And we lived really frugally. We also had my stepdaughter living with us half the year and she was living frugally too, which was okay. She was fine with that. Uh, and it put, it put us in a really good position for two reasons. Firstly, by paying a lot off our mortgage, it meant that when we sold our house, we were in a very good position to buy something because we accrued a lot of money in that mortgage. And secondly, it meant when we moved, we knew how to live frugally. We could make our income last for a year. And we were okay with that because we had reduced our expectations of what we needed to live. And it's amazing how liberating it is to live with less. It was the start of our journey into a simpler and more streamlined way of living. It also made it a lot easier to move into state because we got rid of a lot of stuff that we didn't need. The second thing we did after just budgeting was to build a financial buffer. So we saved up all of our annual leave and we stayed at work long enough to reach certain milestones around long service leave. So in addition to the saving and living frugally, we also had this financial buffer, which meant that when we left our respective organisations, we each had, I had around six weeks of annual leave saved up. My husband had four, I think. And I also had nine months half-time long service leave. So in other words, we were being paid to do nothing for that first year out of our businesses because we had long service leave at part-time and annual leave. And that was awesome because it meant that we had pretty much a half to three quarter time income when we moved. So we could just take it easy and figure out what we were going to do. The third thing that we did was we both secured casual work. And that meant that we could continue to work remotely with the companies that we had worked with before. I actually went on to work with a new company after a while and helping them set up in the same industry I'd been in. So yes, 13 years ago, my husband and I pioneered the working from home movement. We actually did. So that meant that we had a few hours a week at a reasonable rate just to top us up to earn good income. My husband was consulting back to the company he used to work for. It kept our fingers in the pie and we still maintain our professional skills. So if we decided that we wanted to go back to those industries, we could. Otherwise, we could keep going along the path of building a business. So just to summarise here, um, my husband and I lived frugally and built a budgeting sheet. We accrued as much leave as possible to give us a bit of a buffer and we secured casual work in something we knew how to do well. And that gave us a heap of breathing, breathing space and allowed us to get clear on what was next. Step two is to have some strategy and planning. And when you're moving out of a job and into your own business, you need to be clear on where you're heading and what it's going to take to get there and what the milestones are. I had decided to become a personal trainer at that point. So I left my job 
I did some study to redo my qualifications that had expired and done years ago. And I scoped out my business opportunities. I researched the market. I was able to start building up my personal training business on the side because I was just doing a bit of casual work at my desk. And that would allow me to transition from one thing to the other. However, um, I built all these plans and I did my study and I developed a business model, figured out how and where to gain clients. And I went out and joined heaps of clubs and voluntary organizations to meet new people. I networked really well. I went to events around health and wellbeing, figured out how to build my business and I realized I hated it. <laughs> I really didn't like it. Everybody expected me to motivate them and secretly, or not so secretly actually, I don't really love exercise. I didn't like the split shift. I didn't like getting up early morning to demotivated people and having nothing to do in the day and then having an end of day thing where I had to try and motivate people again. <laughs> Just wasn't my jam. So luckily I had this buffer and even though I went down the wrong path initially, um, I was able to pivot. Because what happens when you decide that you don't love your business? What do you do? Well, you're not going to keep doing it, right? I decided to go on and do some more training courses to get clear and figure out what else could I do. I started studying nutrition and I almost signed up for a degree in nutrition medicine with RMIT. But after a bit of soul searching, I decided it wasn't quite right. And through continuing education courses and exploring those, I found health and wellness coaching and realised, ah, oh, this taps into some of my skills I had in my old industry as a team leader, as a business owner. I was managing staff. I was helping them to overcome their challenges. And I had a passion for health and fitness. I could totally bring these things together. So I mapped out a new plan to deliver on my strategy. My strategy was much the same. I wanted to be working two or three days a week, I wanted to be delivering live sessions to people in my local area and I wanted to be bringing home a certain amount of money. And although things didn't perfectly fall into place when I moved here and I got uncomfortable at times and I felt a bit lost and confused, I persisted because I was still earning an income. I was having fun figuring out who I was and what I wanted to create. I was leveraging a strength of mine at the time, which is my ability to see the big picture and then zoom in and get focused on what I needed to do to get there. And I kept zooming out going, is this working? And then zooming in and saying, okay, I'm, I'm following this course now. So um, eventually I, I came to find coaching and I developed a program and it sold beautifully. And so my business model, the way I wanted to work with groups a couple of days a week was exactly the same, but it just wasn't in personal training. It was in a health and wellness coaching program that got results. So you can see how this fits nicely with how we work with people around their visions. We know that the process is to create a vision and work towards it. And we know that that vision might change. That's exactly what happened for me. And all you can do is keep progressing and persisting, reviewing your vision and seeing if it's still relevant. That's exactly what I did. And so that was my process of getting clear on what my business looked like. It didn't all fall into place magically and it took some thinking and some work. Now, step three is market research. The great thing about market research is it's 100% free and it solves a lot of problems. 
you have to do research before you start anything. Otherwise, you're flying blind and you're going to feel overwhelmed and confused and scared because you don't know what's ahead. And the only way to find out or to get some clarity around what's ahead is to do research. That means asking people what they want, figuring out what competitors might be doing, finding out what people are buying and why, and how much work they're willing to do to change. Ask lots of questions. It's 100% free, just takes a bit of time, but it will give you a sense of what will work. It will help you to refine your ideas. It will help you to get clarity. If you're constantly talking to people and asking their opinions on things, like a coach, you're going to stay current, relevant, and valuable to the market you're working with, aside from anything else. Market research helps you to achieve two things. Firstly, it helps you figure out where you need to focus your energy going forward, and it helps you to develop a specific plan of what to do and how to do it to achieve your business vision. Now, as I mentioned, when I moved here, I joined a whole bunch of clubs and organisations and I started meeting people in the area to find out, well, I've done this research about who lives here on, on the internet, but who are these people? How many of them are my people? And where are they? I went out to find them because I knew nobody here. And it was great. I quickly figured out where my people were and where my people weren't. So I knew that when I came to starting a business, I already had a network of people I'd made connections with and I knew who to invite to start working with me. Simple. So if you do this too, if you start putting the feelers out, join groups on Facebook or networking groups or associations or volunteer organisations or whatever it is, you're going to find people who might want to work with you at some point. I became known as somebody who did a certain thing, who helped people lose weight. And part of that was because I had built all of these networks and asked all of these questions. So it's free marketing at the same time if you're actually talking to people. I just kept talking about weight loss and healthy eating and weight loss and healthy eating and my passion for these things and asking people what they thought and how they felt and what they'd tried. That was it. When I came to building my first program and piloting it, and then selling it, I had a pool of people who were interested, who trusted me and who wanted to give it a go. So you have to go out and meet people, whether it's online or face-to-face, -face, pick your favorite way to do it and do that. So that market research, doing a few months of that is totally valuable. And if you have that financial buffer in place and a bit of a plan, then you don't have any of those external pressures. You know what you're working towards. So hopefully you can see how these three pieces so far fit together. Step four is to review, review, review. <laughs> the last thing I'll say about moving from job to business is that you have to regularly review what you're doing to make sure it's still right, to make sure it still fits. Things change quickly in your life and in the world. Markets change quickly, you change. There's a big distinction between working a job and running a business. When you're working a job, somebody else is looking externally at the market and saying, oh, gee, this is changing out there. How do I need to pivot the business? That's going to be your responsibility now. That's something you'll need to do. But aside from that, you'll also need to figure out where you're at and realise if you're bored with what you're doing. This happened to me. I ran my coaching business for three and a half years and I thought, gee, I don't want to do this anymore. This particular way I'm working isn't serving me. 
And so in job speak, this would be the time that you might be getting at your feet, looking for a promotion or looking for a new job. That's okay. In a business, the same thing can happen. That's when you might pivot to a different niche or hire people to run the business for you or sell it. You're not stuck to this business forever and you can change the way you run it. I've totally been through it and you've seen what I've done. You can do that too. But the only way you can know to make change is to check in with yourself, to have those regular reviews, those self-reflections and those big picture eyes on your business to say, is this still working? Am I still making a profit? Is it still fun? Do people still want what I'm doing or is it feeling like hard work? You can only know what's going on in your head, in your life and in the world by standing back and looking at it. And then you can decide how your business might need to change or not. So let's summarise what I've talked about today. I've covered a lot of ground. Moving from a job into your own business is super rewarding because you get a certain type of freedom with your time and you get to decide how much you want to earn. You get that sort of time and money autonomy. But you also need to get out of that job mindset and into a business mindset and to prepare yourself for an easy start. The things you need to do are to build a financial buffer first so you don't have that stress hanging over your head. To come up with a strategy and plans to reach that strategy so you know where to focus your time and energy. You need to do market research from when you start your business and through the whole time you run a business because things out there change and you need to review, review, review. That's it for me today. If you need help with this process, then hit me up on the contact page. And I also recommend listening to some of my earlier podcast episodes. So there's episode 30, how to create your professional identity, 32, traditional versus coaching businesses, episode 42, four levels of money, and episode 49, from job to business, how to manage your time expectations. I would recommend listening to those four episodes as a starting point, which may be relevant to this one. Um, and so that's on my podcast page. If you're watching this on YouTube, I don't have videos for those, but you can definitely jump across to Apple and have a listen. Okay, thanks everyone for being here. Look forward to seeing you next time and bye for now.